Welcome back to Respect the Dead, the podcast where we don't. Sweaty, it's no surprise that everyone celebrated your demise. And now, worms are eating your eyes. So don't you worry, rotten head, as you sleep in your sodden bed. It's time to respect the dead. Hey everyone, Editing Mandy here. I'm just coming in at the top of the episode uh, to just let you know that, well, all of our episodes here at Respect the Dead obviously tend to come with a bit of a um, listener discretion advice as we do discuss a number of disturbing topics and uh, some of you may definitely find those disturbing. This one in particular comes with a content warning for a lot of racism, especially right at the beginning, as well as cruelty to animals. Hey everyone, I'm mainly Mandy. I'm Kellen Connor. And I'm Hoots. And today, before we jump into today's worm feast, I actually do want to first start off. I, I came up with a whole intro for this one. I'm very proud of it. Um, <laughs> I do. I want to talk about a person that I actually do respect and death. This will be a very short thing. Sarah Bartman, also known as the Hot and Taut Venus, was an African slave woman placed on display throughout Europe in the 19th century. Sarah from the Khoikhoi tribe had, quote, unusually large buttocks, which may have been a result of a condition, I'm going to probably screw this up, statopiagia, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. She was forced to appear underdressed and was marketed as, quote, the missing link between man and beast. She was sexually assaulted, hired as a curiosity for wealthy private parties, and was sometimes displayed alongside animals while wearing a collar. She would ultimately die at 26 years old, still being gawked out by white crowds, penniless despite making her handlers wealthy. After Bartman's death, scientists preserved parts of her body, and for many years, her remains were displayed in a museum in Paris to support racist theories surrounding those of African ancestry. In 2002, France finally agreed to return Bartman's remains to South Africa, and she was buried near her birthplace, or her believed birthplace, in Eastern Cape Providence. Bartman is but one story of exploitation and abuse suffered by marginalized people, including a large number of disabled individuals, in freak shows, circuses, and other such venues. The list of those who helped to exploit the most vulnerable is a long one, and maybe you'll see some more of those on this podcast in the future. For today, though, I would like to focus on a man whose name in, is in many ways synonymous with exhibition and spectacle. So today, I want to talk about P.T. Barnum. <laughs> Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yes, he is. <laughs> I know the name, but I don't know her. We will talk all about him. I am, like, I I know a bit about P.T. Barnum. I know quite a bit about P.T. Barnum, but I mm -hmm. cannot think of him without thinking of the flea from A Bug's Life. Like, that's all I think of. When you say P.T. Barnum, I think of the P.T. Barnum flea from, do you guys remember that? I, I don't even remember um, him. Okay. I think it was like about Flea Barnum. Life is like, I couldn't, everyone was like, these movies are so cute. And I'm like, ew, step on them. Step on them all. <laughs> Bugs. Like, I want to hear you scream under my boot. <laughs> <laughs> I remember liking that, that movie. It's just been a really long time since I watched it. So I couldn't There's say or like, remember. I swear to God, his name is like Flea Barnum or something. There's just it like a PT, it's a PT Barnum insert, and he's like a little mm -hmm. he's like a little bug circus uh, 
<laughs> leader, ring leader, and he and he sucks, and he's like the P.T. Yeah. Barnum send up in a bug's life, right? Uh, and yeah. so like I hear P.T. Barnum's name, and I always imagine this like little fucking flea wearing coattails. <laughs> <laughs> not a flea, <laughs> a little flea in you're, coattails. You're, you're not far off. Well, this this is what he actually looked like. I'm gonna send this in our chat and I will also have these available in our show notes or they will be on uh, Instagram on our Instagram account so you can see these images okay (laughs) shoot oh my god hold on (laughs) what the fuck he looks like okay so there's an episode of Kimmy Schmidt where they pass off a puppet of a grandmother as like an actual character um I'm going to send it, that to you because <laughs> oh, this, <laughs> this man looks like he was carved out of like <laughs> soap or something. The like, he's so, he looks like a puppet. He looks he a does. lot like, uh, he looks like Michael J. Pollard, the, the actor. Um, what has he been in? Uh, I'll send you a picture of him. Um, Hang on. Ah, oh my god, he does. Yeah, yeah just Google there's, it. There's... <laughs> Michael J. Pollard. Oh. Okay. He looks exactly like him. Here you go, Mandy. Michael oh, J. nope. There you don't go, Mandy. <laughs> oh, look, his name came up when I Googled it. So um, He does, he does. Like probably oh, yeah. more than that old Italian Nona he, puppet I just sent. He, he could have he could have like played guy, him yeah. in like a biopic or something. So Phineas Taylor Barnum was born July 5th, 1810 in Bethel, Connecticut. Phineas. Phineas is an adorable name. It is. I like Phineas. I I feel like I would name like a little snake Phineas or like a little lizard or something. Oh, yeah. Or, a lizard or, named Phineas is like the most adorable yeah, fucking right? thing. Like so a little, cute. like a like little, a little gecko. salamander. A little salamander. Not a snake though. Not, not, not a snake though. A, Step on it. No. no. Oh, I love snakes. Like a flea. No. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll save you from the snake. <laughs> a little salamander His father, named Phineas. <laughs> a little, it would be so cute. Um, his father, Philo Barnum, was an innkeeper, tailor, and <laughs> storekeeper. I love that. Philo, like I'm the dog. It, it is spelled P H I L O. Like these, oh my God, all these men like have the, the best dough. names. Like the dough, yeah, yeah it's great. Um, and his uh, his father, Philo Barnum, was an innkeeper, tailor, and storekeeper who died when his son was fifteen. After his father's death, supporting his five siblings and mother became basically his responsibility. Um, now Barnum was actually named after his grandfather, who at his grandson's christening gave the boy the deed to five acres of land called Ivy Island. Ivy Island. Years of playing it up to the boy, and years of the boy telling everyone in town how rich he was, culminated in a trip to Ivy Island, which it turned out was less quote magical isle of wonderment and possibility, and more a quote patch of land in a swamp covered in acres of poison oak. So this is like one of those That's things that kind of sets him yeah. off. It's like, you know, all these like pranks and the fact that he uh, stretches the truth quite a bit later in his life, like kind of all starts what here. What the fuck? Okay. A swamp covered in poison oak. Like, what do you do? Do you just set it on fire? I think so. Like, <laughs> I think so. If it's an island, <laughs> like, do you just not just burn the island you, down and come yeah. back in like 20 years and hope for the best? Like, Raise the it fuck? to the ground and then replant. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Nature will heal itself. <laughs> you just leave. <laughs> 
I say as I like walk around the island with a gas can. Yeah. <laughs> Nature will heal itself. <laughs> this one's on you, girl. You got this. I believe in you. <laughs> you got this, queen. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Barnum had several businesses over the years, including a general store, a book auctioning trade, real estate speculation, and a statewide lottery network. He actually also started a weekly newspaper in 1929 called The Herald of Freedom in Danbury, Connecticut. (laughs) The Herald of Freedom. The Herald Herald of Freedom. Freedom. In Danbury, Connecticut. Like, this is the most American story I've ever heard. She's a girl Harold Potter and the Herald of Freedom. (laughs) I'm sure there was like a big old, like, American flag right up front uh-huh. and then on the back sides, like either corner. <laughs> I love this though. She's a girl boss. She's she's really girl <laughs> bossing it up. He was really hustling. He was working that hustle yeah. culture. He had the grind set mindset. He ha- yeah, definitely <laughs> grind set culture. Yeah, the grind like, set yeah, mindset. Grind the grind set, set mindset. mindset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, while he was running that newspaper, he was arrested three times for libel. <laughs> Okay, you know what? Sometimes you have to say something about somebody, (laughs) and it's not true. (laughs) Sometimes you have to lie, Your Honor. (laughs) No. Okay, well, okay. Think about it this way. Yeah. What if you don't like someone? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who amongst us has not libelled? (laughs) (laughs) No, not libelled. That's a gorgeous name for a girl. Oh, Oh my my God. God. Libel of the ball. (laughs) Libel in slander. We have to remember that for uh, for for Stardew Valley, Kayla. The next time we get a chicken or something, yes. we're naming it Libel. Our our Ooh. first pig will be named Libel. Yes, because we have okay. a cat named Dementia, and then we have Malaria and Laryngitis, the cows. No, it was it was Laryngitis. Laryngitis, excuse me, laryngitis. and Malaria and Malaria. Libel has to be spelled I L I B E L L E. And then, obviously, oh yeah, um, slander is S L A N D, and then E with like the little 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 accent mark over it, yeah, the little accent mark over it, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then R accent aigu or whatever the fuck it's called. Is that yeah. what they say in French? I don't, I don't speak to I don't the know. French. Okay, uh, in 1829, at age 19, Barnum married a 21-year-old Bethel woman, Charity Hallett, who was would then go on to bear him four daughters. Uh, unfortunately, um, there was some tragedy with his children. Uh, one daughter ch- died in childhood. Another was dropped from his will for committing adultery, um, which pretty shitty uh disappointed because he had no male male heir barnum left a sizable bequest to a grandson on the condition that he agreed to use barnum as part of his <laughs> oh my god the ego the ego there's a lot of e- we're gonna see so much ego throughout this like, story there's a lot of okay. ego i am this your maternal you so hard i am your maternal grandfather but you have to take my last name <laughs> if you okay. want any of this money um, <laughs> You can leave this in. I don't care. Um, Part of my parents' divorce agreement was that if my mother ever changed my last name from my father's last name, he no longer had to pay child support. (gasps) It was like, (laughs) wow. (laughs) It's like, that's so petty. So petty. I changed changed it when I was like 19. Like, like, sorry. You stop paying. I stop being. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
Uh, after 44 years of marriage, Charity died in 1873. The following year, Barnum, who at the time was 64, took on 24-year-old Nancy Fish for his second wife. And then they Ooh. were together until uh, until his death. Yeah. Oh, no. Wait, how old is his buddy? Um, so he was 64 at the time that he married her, <laughs> 24 years old. Yeah. So 40 years difference between yeah. the two of them. Old enough to Fuck be her that. grandfather. Probably great grandfather. Yeah, I was about to say, there's like a dilf between there. Yeah. yeah. Like 40 years difference. Like, that's like Hugh Jackman. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's very uh, Picasso-esque of him. <laughs> it's- Okay, so he began his career as a showman in 1835 when he was 25 with the purchase and exhibition of a blind and paralyzed elderly slave woman named, I think it was Joyce Heath. I just realized I never double-checked the pronunciation, but I'm pretty sure it's Joyce Heath. What the fuck? Whom a, uh, an acquaintance was trumpeting around Philadelphia as George Washington's former nurse and 161 years old was the other lie they were telling her about her. I remember hearing about her. I remember hearing yeah. about this. I, I can't remember where, but I remember that like there was somebody who was like trotted around and they were like, she's 200 years old and she was George Washington's nanny, which is like, come on. <laughs> yeah. No, she – yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, well, if you don't believe that, that black people are the same species as you, it's like pretty easy to believe that – they're 200 years old. Like, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and this is after. Uh, th- this if you're is both I mean, stupid and racist, yeah. <laughs> a lot of things make sense. Uh, right. That's taking, that's taking black don't crack like so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I know, I know black people age very well, but. <laughs> yeah. And this is after uh, Sarah Bartman too. Cause at this point I think Sarah uh-huh. had already passed away by now. I think. This is 1835. Yeah, by then I'm pretty sure she was dead. So like this was very much in that age of like, oh, we'll just like exhibit a black woman and say random things about her. This is because fascinating, we can. right? They're not. We can. Yeah, because they're not people. They're property. <laughs> they're not people. Now, uh, slavery was already outlawed in New York at the time, but Barnum exploited a loophole which allowed him to lease her for a year for a thousand dollars, borrowing five hundred to complete the sale. Uh, When people protested what was clearly a violation of the law, Barnum made it known that Heath was actually a free woman and the proceeds from her appearances went towards freeing her family in the South, which was a complete lie. So when people are like, hey, you you bought somebody and you're not supposed to be able to do that. He was like, no, 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 no. She's totally free. She's just working for me and she's going to free her family. What the fuck is this? This is like, okay, bleep the name. But when... (laughs) When he was like, I don't own my house. I have a mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I didn't buy this woman. It's a lease. Yeah. That's not a thing. That's not, that's, it's, yeah. the point isn't whether or not it's a purchase. The point is whether or not it's a person. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, I think you're missing the like fundamental issue here. And also being like, well, you know, $500 wasn't my dollar. So it's not. <laughs> It's not technically my money, right? A thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, Barnum once planted a story that claimed the enslaved woman wasn't even a person at all, writing, quote, what purports to be a remarkably old woman is simply a curiously constructed automatron. What? So literally saying she wasn't even a person. Was making the claim. Automatron? Yeah. That she was like a robot or something. 
an NPC. I don't know. It, yeah. It's real fucked up. Oh, yeah. They literally NPC'd her. Yeah. <laughs> Automatron. Yeah. She's, she's just. What year is this? This was 1835. Who the fuck taught him that word? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I need everybody to hold up. <laughs> what? Automatron? Okay. <laughs> okay, so this What year this is was... this man travel back in time through? Like Caitlin, <laughs> this was this was during like an in, a, a, an area of a, 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 an era of increasing revolution? the 1700s. This is an era of oh, increasing okay, automation. This is like the Ooh. same time as Henry Ford. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I literally thought electricity is like invented like 60 years ago. So like excuse me for <laughs> having <laughs> intrinsic knowledge about automatrons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay okay so there was there was machines yes there were machines point. yeah there were machines okay. <laughs> so barnum had joyce um he he would work her for 10 to 12 hours a day he put on a strict diet oh of my god and whiskey and got sorry, of what uh he put her on okay, a strict sorry the diet, great. The the twelve hour workday, not so much. No. Wait, what was the first part? I heard the whiskey. It was a diet egg of, of eggs and whiskey. Sorry. Oh. Eggs and whiskey. <laughs> no. I don't know oh if those God, eggs were cooked stomach. or not. I hope they were at least, but I don't. Ew, know. No, I don't no. think they are. I think she's having a prairie oyster every day. Oh God. No. Okay. You're That's horrible. the fact that you just called it that. I know you didn't make it up, but like I <laughs> no. still think you should go to jail for a night <laughs> just to like um, like scared yeah. straight shit. Like you need to never say that again. <laughs> and like I don't know how to like impress upon you the like the the seriousness with which I'm saying this other than to have your parents get like a couple men to come to your house in the night and bring you to a <laughs> summer camp you that away. you don't want to go to. <laughs> like, so a prairie oyster is raw egg, brandy, and hot sauce. <laughs> and you, you glug that is- it. You glug it. <laughs> that sounds so gross. <laughs> it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a hangover cure. No, no. I think I would just throw up. <laughs> I'm so I'm so disturbed. Like, <laughs> Editing Mandy, please keep in these like long pauses. <laughs> I will. <laughs> oh, like, I will. Just so everyone is impressed upon oh how God. horrified we are. <laughs> I'm so disgusted. So he was feeding her prairie oysters. Yeah, I guarantee just, it. I guarantee it her those prairie oysters. Keep her drunk. Um, and he also got her drunk so that he could remove her teeth to better sell the fact that she was of course supposedly as as old as. Of course, you did. Like she kept refusing, and then he got her drunk, and that's how he got her teeth out. Um, by showing Wait, her off, what? fuck this guy. So sorry, sorry. I got distracted for a second because of the prairie oysters. <laughs> what about taking her teeth he, out? He removed all her teeth. He he got her drunk so that she would agree to him removing her teeth. What the fuck? Right? To what end? Uh, it was to help sell the fact that she was so old. Like, look, she doesn't have any teeth because she's so old. They've all fallen out of her head. All he could have done was just tell people she has fake teeth. He could have been like, she's 200 years old. None of Not her teeth even are real that. anymore. <laughs> if she's if she's some sort of different creature that can live to 200, why do her teeth need to fall out? Right? They could just like, be her teeth. Sell it. Yeah. She got a third set. Well, because... <laughs> 
<laughs> he can't make it seem like black people are better than white people. <laughs> if yeah, why do they get extra teeth? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I bet there were, she's already living in fucking 200. Like, that's already like. I don't you know, know okay. I'm, I'm using my scammer brain for this. And I'm like, <laughs> if he was like, if he wasn't as cruel, still cruel to do this, but wasn't as cruel and like also was like a better scammer, he would be like, he would not do anything to her. And he would be like, look at her. She's 250 years old. And doesn't look she's it. got this. She's got. The, yeah, she doesn't look it because she's got this old African-American uh, potion that she drinks every day, which happens to be on sale in a stall outside. <laughs> right. She made it. It's right there. $15 a glass. Yeah. Right. If you would like to have the, the secret to eternal youth. He just like he, his grind set is not in the right place. Like he's not as good of a scammer as he should be. No, and like I, the reason why I brought it up is like less so to be like I think I could, I could do this scam better, <laughs> but more like I don't believe he really pulled her teeth out to sell the thing. I think he just like thought it would be wanted a to pull up her teeth out. Do. Yeah, like might be cool. Like if I no, I'm, I'm not. Out. I'm not saying that like Mandy's wrong about it. I'm just like I don't believe the party line here where he was like, Oh, like an old person would not have teeth because like, it doesn't, it's not like logically cons- an old person wouldn't live to 200 either, bitch. Like- <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I believe, I believe that he did something for the aesthetics and cause like he saw her as livestock and in the same way, like certain yeah. dog breeds will dock their tails because we think it looks better. Like he was like, it'll, this'll, oh, this'll look better shit. if she's toothless. So by showing her off for 12 hours a day, six days a week, Barnum pulled in around $6,000 per month, precisely $0 of which went to Heath. Um, what is that in in 2023 money? Oh, I didn't look Hold it up. On it. Damn it. 6000 per month from when? Uh, that what was uh, 1835 <gasps> How much? How, how much? $202,000. Oh, shit. I did not month. expect that a much. A month. Wow. A month. Oh, None of it. Share any of it with and her? None of it went to her. Like, not a goddamn penny. Get out well, the Ouija board. Get out the Ouija board. We are we are bringing this guy back and we are <gasps> bullying him from hell. Yep. Okay. Hold on, though. Oh. Halloween live stream. Ouija board. We summon. We each get a Ouija board and we summon whoever it is that we're talking about and we try and like bully them. <laughs> uh. Bees of shit. <laughs> We're gonna, <laughs> gonna shove you in a locker. Halloween live stream. We're bullying Hitler. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna have to get a very yeah. strong VPN because I will be in China at Halloween. <laughs> okay, we'll get I you thought on. that. <laughs> I originally thought you meant for your Ouija board, so we couldn't like come out at you or something or know where you were. And I was like, oh, a little VPN for your your spirit board. <laughs> you like attack, so you Hitler attack. can't find my IP address. <laughs> Not not Adolf Hitler going toe-to-toe with Gadolf Hitler. (laughs) Hey, everyone. It's us at Respect the Dead. And when we're trying to protect our IP from the ghosts of fascist Nazis, we like to use Shark VPN. VPN. (laughs) No, Nord. I think we all just named three different ones. We did. We did. Shark Atlas and Nord. (laughs) We literally said a different one. Not sponsored. (laughs) 
Heath died in February 1836 at no more than 80 years old, and Burnham hosted a live autopsy of her body in New York saloon where spectators paid 50 cents to see the dead woman cut up. What Excuse kind of a, me? Like, like live? He, everybody yeah, back then like was they such came. a sicko. They were all fucking sickos. Yeah, they, they came to watch it like happen live. That's what – like they got their jollies off on. It's so gross. They were like, slice her open. Here's my mm-hmm. 20 bucks. I just like – I don't even know how to like process the kind of like sicko bloodlust that you mm-hmm. would need for that. Right? Like I know it's like I, I I don't know. Like I was one of those kids who refused to participate in like dissection and stuff in science class and was like I'm like the idea that like a bunch of like grown fucking adults would be like oh yeah do you want to come down to the dissection of a human being like oh I think I have a picture of Joyce too I just realized that whoops I thought you were gonna say I think I have a picture of her autopsy and I was like no no, I I don't want to see it (laughs) why not no um, I'm just no okay imagine the like arc of me being like, I just can't imagine the kind of sicko people that would be into that. And then Mandy's like, here's the photo. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Interesting. No. Like, ooh, um, cool this is stuff. sorry, I meant to send this earlier. Uh, this is a poster of like the advertisement for for Joyce. It's very racist. Natural and national curiosity in the world, Joyce Heath. Is it Heath or Heth? I wasn't sure. That's that's the thing I meant to look up before we recorded. <laughs> That's why I was like, maybe That's it's the thing Heath, I meant to look up. Heath. It might be Heath. I'm not sure. Nurse to General George Washington, and then in brackets, the father of our country. <laughs> you know, in case you forgot. at Barnum's Hotel Bridgeport on Friday and Saturday, the 11th and 12th days of December, day and evening. Sorry, I'm just reading this out because it's a podcast. Why are her fingers so long? What the fuck? Oh, yeah, they are really long. <laughs> what the fuck? She looks dead in this nails? illustration. It looks, Are those nails? Oh, she's just got her. Uh, she's got her acrylics on. <laughs> That's there. You go. That's it. It's the acrylics. <laughs> it like literally looks like me trying to film. I think a video. they were trying to make it look like claws because that was such a thing as like making black people look like animals. Like literally. What the fuck though? Her yeah. Her fingers are like six times as long as a finger should right. be. Right. Yeah. She looks like salad fingers. <laughs> In 1841, Barnum acquired John Scooter's. I think it's is that Scooter? That can't be Scooter. Gay. <laughs> yes, John something's American Little Museum. John Scooter. It's it's S K U D D E R. That's gonna be Scooter, right? Scudder. No, That's Scudder. 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 John Scudders. In 1841, John, Bar- if you listen to the cast, please let us know. <laughs> let us know in the comments. Thank you. In 1841, Barnum acquired John's American Museum in New York City, a five-story marble structure filled with stuffed animals, waxwork figures, and similar conventional exhibits. Barnum Sounds added a up. light. It's pretty fucked up. Um, <laughs> My five-story museum of teddy bears. <laughs> of teddy bears. <laughs> and waxwork hey, figures. Like, uh, so uh, there was like a big section of this that I just had to completely cut out because we kind of went on this really long tangent and um, then we went on a bathroom break and some other stuff happened. So you're going to kind of come into this 
random thing we started talking about and um you're just gonna have to live with it because this is my episode and what i say goes deal I'm imagining you like <laughs> I'm imagining you in like like a kink scene with a woman like choking her like ew 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 ew, ew. <laughs> like, like just ew. like trying to get her away from me no you're like you're not really choking her you're pushing her away at the neck <laughs> <laughs> like a whipping but like the way you would whip like a lion that was coming at you <laughs> no no stay away from me <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, the screaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna take forever to finish this fucking podcast. Um <laughs> I'm sorry, leave that in though. No, we're leaving that in. That was brilliant. I love that so much. <laughs> and I it leads so into much. the PT Barnum thing because it does. <laughs> Lions circuses. Yep, you do, you do. So it, it all it all fits. It all fits. <clears throat> okay, so going back to that that museum that Barnum just bought. Um, Barnum added a lighthouse lamp, which attracted attention up and down Broadway, while giant paintings of animals between the upper floors drew attentions, uh, attention from pedestrians. The roof was transformed into a strolling garden with a view of the city, where he launched hot air balloon rides daily. Okay, that is cute, though. Like, rooftop garden with hot air balloons? That's that does adorable. sound fun. We sh- that, that does sound fun. We, that, should be like, that should be, like, the hottest new club in New York at the moment. Like, a rooftop bar and These drunk bitches like falling a- out of hot air balloons <laughs> all over New York. You just get smashing it. If you gotta cast. go. If you gotta go. I mean, yeah, I see that as, like... But. Here in Southern California, we have hot air balloon wine tasting. So there's already precedent for drunk ass bitches in hot air balloons. This is this is literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. The okay, I know. Well, there are too a lot bad, Kaylin, because when you come visit like- me here, we're gonna do it. <laughs> no, I have vertigo. I'm not getting in a hot air balloon. And I'm just scared of heights. Okay. I'm just a wimp. <laughs> I like just, get drunk on the floor. In, <laughs> just in general, like. If it's something that makes me feel like I might die, I don't do it because of the times that I actually felt like Almost I might died. die, which were like yeah. actually dramatic. And I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm good, like on the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't even go on boats anymore. I'm just like, no, that's Ever. cool. I had my fun. <laughs> I got my fill of justifying my wins yeah. a while ago. I'm, I'm all set. I'll sit outside and watch all of you on the roller coaster and wave to you. <laughs> that, that is me on the roller coaster. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> you look pretty. I'll take a picture of you as you I'm come like, by. I'm holding everybody's purses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm that person. I'm that person with roller coasters, too. Okay, so a changing series of live acts and curiosities were added to the exhibits of stuffed animals, including albinos, giants, little people, jugglers, magicians, exotic women, detailed motels uh, oh nope detailed models of cities and famous battles and a menagerie of animals what is the theme the theme is weird that's kind of the theme the theme is strange it's whatever will draw attention oh it's yeah it's and like models believe it or not yeah ripley's believe it or not that's actually a good way to to sum it up Um, but like believe it or not this is a little city like, I guess. Yeah. Like, like, like details. Just like some of it. City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> city friends. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> the world's first city for ants. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> but that would draw me in. I'd be like, I want to see the city okay, for ants. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would. Do they too. drive little cars around? Do they wear little hats? Do they're business <laughs> ants? Oh my god. Do they wear little suits? It's like a flea little circus. Suits? Little suitcases. Yes. Little little. But do they have more suitcases because they have so many legs, or is it just one suitcase? Still. Oh my god. Yeah. These are your important oh, yeah. questions. I bet they. I bet they have a lot of suitcases for their for their legs. I I think <laughs> they sure. wear them on the back like a backpack. Oh, oh, oh yeah. There you Ants go. That makes sense. They, yeah, they ants yeah. are very efficient. Ants do love way. a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course they do. Uh, playing okay. upon the public's interest in the unusual and bizarre part of the human curiosities movement of the 19th century that saw the exploitation of Sarah Bartman and the rise of carnival freak shows. Barnum scored the world for curiosities, living or dead, genuine or fake. By means of outrageous stunts, repetitive advertisement, and uh, exaggerated publicity, Barnum excited international attention and made his showcase of wonders a landmark. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to go through and talk about some of the actual exhibits here in a second, like some of the people that were in his show. Um, but first of all, it is specifically in... in towards uh, his hoaxes. Um, Barnum justified his hoaxes by saying that they were advertisements to draw attention to the museum. Quote, I don't believe in duping the public, <laughs> he said, but I believe in first attracting and then pleasing them. Clickbait. Clickbait. Yeah, it's clickbait. <laughs> Barnum, P.T. Barnum Both invented clickbait. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> he was like, I love, I love your explanation of this. It's like, yes, he lied, but he had an excuse. He was like, I want to make money. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was just like the <laughs> yeah. end of and, and, the and explanation. Keep a pit, and, and I'm going to borrow some video essayist vernacular here. Keep a pit in that it. little quote about lying and the way that he himself was often a liar because that's going to come back later. Okay. Uh, I mean, it comes up a few times, but in specific, you'll, you'll see what I mean. Um, Barnum was often referred to as the prince of humbugs as he uh, referred to his hoaxes so much. So like, I guess a humbug is a hoax. Uh, I only know humbug in the context of A Christmas Carol. So Ebenezer Scrooge. So Ebenezer Scrooge was just walking around. He was just walking around going like, Like, bah, bah, hoaxes. Hoax. (laughs) Fake news. Fake news. I actually kind of like that. Fake news. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ebenezer Trump. Ebenezer Trump. (laughs) So... All right, I'm going to get into the exhibit. So for 25 cents, audiences could see... Um, nope. Yeah, we're going to look up... 25 cents. 25 what cent. year? Uh, this would have been... What year are we in? Shit. Uh, 1841? <laughs> that can't be right. It's not $425. Just give me no like a... Uh, that can't be right. $1 in 1841. Let's do $1 in 1840. Is thirty four dollars today? So okay. whatever thirty four thirty five price four is. admission, roughly. Oh wait, yeah, no, that's a dollar divided by four. So thirty five eight dollars. Yeah, thirty five for, for the family. That's fine. Eight fifty that, that to is, see this. That's yeah, cheaper like, than is it going per to Ripley's family package. Yeah, is yeah, it is it by go to Ripley's. like just an entrance, or do you have to pay per exhibit? I think that's entrance, but I did not okay. look specifically more into the nature of <laughs> fine. the ticket sales. You, you weren't <laughs> expecting these questions. No, I wasn't. <laughs> and I don't think about any, their, like, it's like business a, practices. <laughs> 
It's like I a peep known. show. You have to like, it's like a peep show where you have to like drop in another like 25 yeah, to, cents yeah. in the machine to, to like open picturing. the curtain on the window. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's Gross. how it works. I don't know. Okay. That's actually like, that's a, like a hot mechanism. It's like, like analog only fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Analog drop only Drop a quarter fans. in and the curtain opens. <laughs> yeah. For 25 cents, audiences could see 850,000 interesting curiosities, such as, and here is mm. my lovely list. That's interesting a lot of is doing a lot of heavy it, lifting it, there. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. it's, That's it's, a lot of curiosities. It's a lot of curiosities. Um, okay, so first up, we have the Fiji mermaid who was introduced in 1842. Oh. I know this bitch. I know I this a lot of people bitch. Know this There's still so many of them. Like- <laughs> there are. Okay. Um, <laughs> look at that wrist. Is she, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> probably. I know what you are. Okay. I know what you are. <laughs> okay. So because it's a podcast, um, I feel like we should be at least describing the images a little. It's like a, okay. a fish that you would find all crumpled up and dried out on a beach that washed ashore, but it has like old women breasts. Um, and the face is giving like Graham Linehan, <laughs> but with, with nicer teeth. With fangs. <laughs> with fangs. <Yeah. laughs> um, and it's like a top half is and- like a nasty little human. Yeah, well, Graham, it's like a, Graham it's a Linehan monkey. With, oh, it's a monkey? I was about to say Graham Linehan with more even eyes. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it, it's literally like a monkey top half oh, has been like okay. sewed onto a fish bottom half. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, yeah, I dropped a <laughs> I dropped a Fiji mermaid mummy in the chat because I'm familiar with this cryptid. It's a it's oh a classic. <laughs> it's a classic one. She's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. there's some. <laughs> She's just like. literally just take a monkey and graft it to a fish yeah he leased it from the from fellow museum owner uh moses kimball of boston who would later become his friend confident and collaborator imagine leasing a dead fish that somebody pasted to a monkey (laughs) (laughs) you're like yeah this is not this guy's my best friend thank you so much for giving this like imagine signing a lease for this yeah (laughs) like what are the conditions i want to see that Least. Right. <laughs> find it. Legal documents aren't. Right. And then there was uh, Charles Stratton. Stratton? Stratton. Um, who was a little person also known as General Tom Thumb, uh, sometimes referred to as the smallest person that ever walked alone, who at the time that he was <laughs> that first... Ever walked alone. Yeah. Um, when he was hired, he was four years old, um, though he was at the time stated to be older, 11. So Charles, uh, at his highest, reached a height of 33 inches, um, with heavy coaching and natural talent, the boy was taught to imitate people from Hercules to Napoleon. And also as a child, Barnum taught Charles to smoke cigars and drink wine. Uh, oh, he great. was Barnum's most profitable exhibit. Uh, and I will like add a little bit of a kind of caveat here. Supposedly, Charles and Barnum were actually decent friends. Like There was some incident that happened later where Barnum needed money and Charles kind of bailed him out. So it seems like they mm-hmm. did have an okay friendship, but still he might have threatened to like kill him if he, he could money. i mean who or, knows like it was also like his boss yeah and like, like charles met his wife i think was also an exhibit at one point and they got married and and it's really there's some really cute pictures it. of them 
Um, I mean, I was going to say in the 19th century, like if you were, if you had like a disability, this was probably the best you could ever hope for is to be like exploited by P.T. Barnum. Basically. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the the complicated conversations that are still even happening about it to this day are people saying like, well, you know, at least you could make money. And it's like, yeah, but they were also exploited. And those are conversations I mostly stay out of. If you were white. But like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Um, Yeah. And it's fair to not be like to to have the presumption that because someone's marginalized, they had zero autonomy whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And it was just like pure exploitation because like, like in when we um, talked about like Josephine Baker, there was a lot of things Mm -hmm. she chose to do because she knew it would like get her where she wanted to go. And like, maybe she wouldn't have done them if, if it was like 2020. Yeah. She was coerced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like then at the same time, there's like a lot of there's a lot of decisions that she made where it's like it easily could have been something that she wanted to do, and there's just like no way to tell. So it mm-hmm. feels like weird to to like retroactively strip someone of their autonomy and mm-hmm. be like it's pure yeah. exploitation, but like yeah. it's also super fucked up to just ignore the exploitation part, so right? I just, like uh, if maybe, they have, yeah, there's very maybe much like. He- Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was about to say, maybe he really was like a Hezbollah, though. Like, maybe he really was like, I enjoy being a mm-hmm. little tiny influencer. Quite possibly. And it's definitely one yeah. of those things where I think to myself, you know, at least they had this venue to make a living. And and sometimes they did really have like a fa- like a chosen family from being in these, these freak shows and circuses and such. Um, but also it sucks that that was like the only venue they had. And people like P.T. Bardem, who were not disabled, they were you know, physically very able-bodied, white, wealthy men made more money off of them than they made from themselves. And that's like where we get into the more, the the nuance as it were. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's, yeah. Okay. uh, Who else do we have? Um, We also have, I don't have a picture of, of this one. um, Unfortunately, Uh, I I did look, I didn't find one for her. Um, In 1843, he added the indigenous dancer, Du Hum Hee, um, who is called the, quote, Indian princess from the Sac and Fox Nation, which the actual, um, these are like the English versions of what that's called, but they're actually the Takwati and Meskwati uh, nations, I believe is the correct um, way to pronounce it. I hope I did that right. Uh, she, along with a few other indigenous people, performed dances and ceremonies for curious Americans. Uh, she sadly died five weeks after her wedding in the Barnum Museum. Oh. She was only 18 years old. Oh, that's horrible. It's, it's really sad. Um, there was a man who was billed as a creature found in the wilds of Africa, supposed to be a mixture of the wild native African and the orangutan, a kind of man monkey. The poster, conclu- <laughs> the poster concluded, for want of a positive name, the creature was called, what is it? In all caps. What? What the fuck? The creature, what is it? was actually an African-American man named William Henry Johnson. I'm about to send you a picture of him in the chat. Wearing a costume. That's just- yes. And he literally, it's a black it's man. It's a guy in a ghillie suit. It's, it's a guy yeah, it's in a, guy ghillie in a, a ghillie suit. It's, it's like a man wearing basically a, a gorilla outfit. Um, he happened to have a very distinct slope forehead and... 
Um, before coming to the show, he actually served as a cook for another showman in Barnum's Connecticut hometown. So Barnum like knew him as like a real person. What the fuck? And he spoke in a mysterious language that was created by Barnum and had to wear the the gorilla just suit that you see gibberish. here. Yeah, his, just making the, it up. The close up, the close up p- picture of his face. He's actually got like a very beautiful profile. He does. Mm-hmm. He's Very actually striking. like a pretty attractive guy. Yeah. Yeah. But PT <laughs> Barnum was like, oh, you're an attractive black man. Let's put you in a monkey suit. Yep. <laughs> you have a Jesus slightly strange Christ. forehead. I'm going to exploit that. Thank you. Then there was also for a time uh, Chang and Aang, the Siamese twins, um, who were connected by a ligament below their breastbones. Here's a picture of them. Um, they had actually already been touring for a while at this point. They actually came mm-hmm. out of retirement in uh, 1860, like late in that year, um, because they needed more money to send their numerous children to college. So they stayed with Barnum for like about a month, raised enough money that they were happy with, I guess, and then left. So like he did not put them on the map. They already had a reputation. They just came yeah. for a little bit. If anything, they helped him out. And then there was... Anna Swan, who was uh, billed as a giantess, and she was seven feet eleven inches tall. Whoa, big girl! Whoa. Oh my big god, big girl! At her. Look at her! I yeah. know, like I follow so many accounts on Twitter who would be so horny for her nowadays. <laughs> I'm horny for her. I saw that picture and went, "Oh, hello!" <laughs> big women are in. Oh my they god, she's sure so tall. Are. She's, she's so amazing. Tall. She's, She's so dope. And again, we'll have all these pictures on the Instagram where we are trying to be better at like actually describing them as we go. But basically this last picture is just a very tall woman next to some like average size men and they are she's way taller than them. <laughs> Although I wouldn't be surprised if that man uh, there's a man and a woman in the picture and I wouldn't be surprised if PT Barnum got a man who was like 5'6 and a woman who was like 4'8 to like make her look yeah. extra big. I'm sure how Quite tall possibly. is she? Uh 7 foot 11. Supposedly. Okay, maybe not then. <laughs> no, I think she's a tall lady. I don't think you live to seven foot eleven. Because like no. the problem with people with, with giantism is like mm-hmm. they their hearts give out when they're like twenty-five. It's very sad. It is very sad. Um, I have a quote here. There was a uh, biographer of Barnum's named uh, Benjamin Weiss. There was a, a random article of his I, I read and I had a lot of quotes from, from his book. Um, but this is a quote from him. <clears throat> uh, Barnum had these new ways of making racism seem fun and for people to engage in activities that degraded <laughs> a racially subjected person in the ways that were intimate and funny and surprising and novel. That's part of his legacy. That's part of what he left us. Just as he also left us some really great jokes and circus acts and this kind of charming, wisecracking America's uncle reputation. This is equally part of his legacy. I really like that quote. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Racism for fun. Racism for fun. This is this is cute. This is fun. Something that we're still <laughs> suffering from today. People who yep. are like, well, I'm not racist, but every once in a while I, I do a little racism for a treat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a little treat. Just a it- little treat. It's fine. My totally real black friend said it was okay. That's yeah, how it works. Rush, get that bone out of your nose, Limbaugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god. Yep. Um, among Barnum's eighty-two million visitors was Henry and William James, Charles Dickens, and Edward the Seventh, the Prince of Wales. Canceled. 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 All canceled. Of them. All so they're canceled. all canceled. <laughs> We're coming for you, Charles Dickens. Get ready. <laughs> Dickens, more like dickhead. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Got him. Read for filth. Uh, one time, Barnum ordered his sign painter to write 
to the egress in large letters above a door, knowing full well most visitors would not recognize the last word. Assuming it was an animal they had not seen before, people flocked through the door, only learning that egress meant exit when they found themselves standing in a New York back street. <laughs> okay, that's iconic. That's actually kind of funny. That is iconic. I do kind and of And then they have to pay to come back in. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they wouldn't like listen. Oh. It's like they're stamping their wrist or anything. <laughs> no, that's perfect. To oh, the egress. Th- okay. This okay. is the first thing you said that I support. <laughs> He was like, we have 500 million curiosities inside my spooky museum (laughs) right this way. And then it's just like a door to the alley. (laughs) To the ingress. All right. I forgive him a little bit now. Just a little. (laughs) During 1844 to 45, he toured with General Tom Thumb in Europe and met Queen Victoria. Uh, this ended up opening the door to visits. Canceled also. (laughs) Uh, This opened the door to visits from royalty throughout Europe, including the Tsar of Russia, uh, and also enabled Barnum to acquire dozens of new attractions, including automatrons and other mechanical marvels, like real ones this time, not ones he was just claiming. <laughs> not were, not women. Not like that old he said women, were old black women. Yeah, exactly. Not just like literally people. Just not literally people. Yeah. <laughs> Going up to an old person being and being like, seems fake. <laughs> <laughs> you sound fake. <laughs> Um, during uh, during this time, he went on a spending spree and bought other museums, including artist uh, Rembrandt Peel's Museum in Philadelphia, the nation's first major museum. So at this point, I guess he was sort of like eager to sort of like change his image from like a promoter of human curiosities to like like something more impressive of like artistic attractions. Um, so Barnum risked his entire fortune by importing Jenny Lind, a Swedish soprano who he had never seen or heard of before and who at the time was unknown in the United States. Um, he basically like approached her to sing in America at $1,000 a night for 150 nights, all expenses paid for it. by $1,000 a night in, U- in $2023. Go, Kaylin. Go, Kaylin. It's your time. I want $1,000 a night like Wait, now. what year was right? this? Uh, this is... Uh, oh, it doesn't say of the year. I'm guessing this is like sometime in 1844 or 45. 40,000. A, a night? night? Wow. No, that can't be right. That can't be right. Hold on. I know she turned into a millionaire because of this. And there's still like um, opera competitions today, like named after her. Like 40,000. Yeah. 40,000 is right. It's like 39. She, she became a millionaire. And she would like sit on a – she, she was like one of the first ones to like sit on a swing. Well, she oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah, that's you very get that smart. movement, but you don't actually Ugh. have to like exert any effort, right? No. And also, you, that's just so just pretty. Get to look beautiful, yeah. Right, yeah. as your your dress is like flowing as you go back mm-hmm. and forth. Ah, oh, that's that's. Thanks, Jenny. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, Jenny Lind, icon, icon. Yeah, Jenny, she made Jenny her. Lind. She made bank just singing. She was like, "Okay, I'll work with you." Um, so Lynn demanded the fee in advance and Barnum actually did agree. Uh, he, ha- he borrowed heavily on his mansion and his museum to raise the money, but he was still short of funds. So he persuaded a Philadelphia minister that Lind, uh, would be a good influence on American morals. And the minister left, lent him the final $6,000 he needed. Uh, dubbing Lind the Swedish Nightingale, Barnum's tour with the singer began with a concert at Castle Garden on September 11th, 1850. And it was a major success. Recouping Never forget. Barnum for- Never forget. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to make a 9-11 joke, Hoots. I knew it was going to be you. Um, and it was a major success recouping Barnum four times his investment. 
Tickets for some of her concerts were in such demand that Barnum sold them by auction. The blatant commercialism of Barnum's ticket auctions distressed Lind, and she persuaded him to make a substantial number of tickets available at reduced prices. So good, good on her. Um, by early 1851, Lynn had become uncomfortable with Barnum's relentless marketing of the tour, and she invoked a contractual right to sever her ties with him. Uh, Lynn gave 93 concerts in America for Barnum, earning her about $350,000, while Barnum netted at least $500,000, uh, which, according to a source I read, is the equivalent to $16,286,000. Assuming that's right. I don't Damn, know if you want to check that. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, that makes sense. That's like, that's like pop star. Like, yep. Money. That's what she was. Yep. Um, so Barnum wrote the humbugs of the world, an account of humbugs, delusions, impositions, quackeries, <laughs> deceits, and deceivers generally in all ages. And based on the title was paid by the word. <laughs> In it, he outlines the different ways that spiritualists, mediums, con artists, and hucksters would defraud the public. He adamantly stood by his belief that taking advantage of people through deception was wrong, saying in a letter, quote, as a general thing, I have not duped the world nor attempted to do so. Said the man <laughs> so who is- sued <laughs> a fish to a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is just like when one Twitch streamer is feuding with the other Twitch streamer. Yeah, he <laughs> like, he was so like these these them. fucking liars, and everyone's like, uh, "Dude, you you tried to say that old lady was like 160 years old? <laughs> Do you not remember that part?" <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, okay. Uh, Barnum sought to change theater's reputation of being, quote, a den of evil. Uh, he wanted to position theaters <laughs> as palaces of edification and delight and as respectful middle-class uh, entertainment. He built New York City's largest and most modern theater, naming it the Moral Lecture Room. <laughs> oh, God. That's a terrible <laughs> Sounds name. Sounds fun. <laughs> uh, he opened with The Drunkard, a thinly disguised temperance lecture. He had become a tea, uh, a teetotaler after returning from Europe, so he didn't drink. Um, so this was like part of his thing. Uh, he followed that with melodramas, farces, and historical plays put on by highly regarded actors. He organized flower shows, beauty contests, dog shows, and poultry contests. But the most popular were baby contests, such as the fattest baby or the handsomest twins. And I, I, I think um, fattest baby, fattest baby. I don't know if I if I won fattest baby and then grew up into an adult, I would not be sharing that award anywhere. I would not be talking about it. Like it's a baby. Leave the baby still alone. Still talking about when you're 25. It's like, so what do you do? It's like, well, I I was the world's fattest baby. Not to brag, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, honestly, the fact that he works so hard in this stuff is probably one of the reasons why he does have such a reputation for being, like, this, like, sweet, uncle American kind of guy. Like, yeah. putting on all these things, obviously, was trying to, like, help his own reputation. So that's probably – anyway. Um, in 1855, he published his autobiography, The Life of P.T. Barnum, written by himself – uh, he frankly he frankly re- <laughs> he frankly revealed some of the deceits he had employed for which he was harshly taken to task by the majority of critics. Stung, <laughs> Barnum continually modified the book in many revised versions, which he claimed sold a total of a million copies. But this is what he said, so <laughs> if that's true, that's hard to prove. By 1884, Barnum placed his autobiography in the public domain, allowing anyone to print and sell it without copyright infringement. Well, that's cool. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it's pretty cool, but I think he did that because he was hoping a bunch of people would immediately be like, oh, I'm going to make a movie about P.T. Bottom or something. <laughs> Speaking in that voice. So during the Civil War, his museum drew large audiences seeking uh, diversion from the conflict. He added pro-unionist exhibitions, lectures, and dramas, and he demonstrated commitment to the cause. Uh, he hired Pauline Cushman in 1864, an actress who had served as a spy for the Union, to lecture about her thrilling adventures behind Confederate lines. Barnum's Unionist sympathies incited Confederate sympathizer to start a fire in 1864. Barnum's American Museum burned to the ground on July 13, 1865. He reestablished it at another location in New York City, but this was also destroyed by a fire in March uh, 1868. Uh, the losses were too great the second time, and Barnum retired from the mu uh, museum business. Um, so he didn't actually, even though we kind of think of Barnum as being like a, a circus um, runner, he really didn't enter the circus business until he was 60 years old. He established P.T. Barnum's Grand Traveling Museum, Menagerie, Caravan, and Hippodrome in Delavan, Wisconsin in 1870 uh, with William Cameron Coop. Uh, it was a traveling, a uh, right? He, very, he was really into these like long Hippodome. <laughs> names. It, it, they just go on for so long. Um, it was a traveling circus, menagerie, and museum of, quote, freaks. After an 1881 merger with James Bailey and James L. Hutchinson, the name was P.T. Barnum's Greatest Show on Earth and the Great London Circus, Sanger's Royal British Menagerie, and the Grand International Allied Show United. <laughs> Later shortened to Bailey and Barnum's. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, Barnum oh and Bailey's, God. excuse me. Barnum and yeah. Bailey's. Yeah, it, it got short. Yeah, the, this man loved him some words. Um, and I have a poster... <laughs> From that somewhere. Oh, there it is. For a guy who was like crazy about clickbait, you would think that his uh, that his titles would be like a little bit more SEO friendly. Yeah, right. <laughs> I guess back then it was like the more words, the better. Like if you have enough Ooh, words, they were like <laughs> hashtags. Like yeah, hashtags. Th that's yeah. it. It's all hashtags, like old school hashtags. Jumbo. Oh, no. It's Dumbo's dead mom. Ah. Okay, so we're actually just about to judge, gotta, talk about Judge Jimbo. This <laughs> elephant in the back looks so upset. Uh, that's you probably couldn't even Dumbo. like draw him happy. So we've got an illustration of a, a skeleton of a, an elephant that is labeled Jumbo, and a bunch of people are gathered around looking at it, and it says "Great Jumbo Skeleton." And I made that joke because uh, Dumbo's mom in Dumbo is named Jumbo. Mm -hmm. Oh, is she okay? Yeah, that's where Dumbo gets his name because, like, because, like, in the movie, they're like, "Oh, Dumbo, uh, Jumbo's son looks dumb." What is he, Dumbo? <laughs> like, got him. Okay, so the show's first primary attraction was Jumbo, an African elephant that Barnum purchased in 1882 from the London Zoo. Despite Barnum's stance on alcohol, the elephant drank entire kegs of beer every day, which led to a number of health issues and likely uh, didn't help the elephant's poor temper. <laughs> it was a mean drunk. It was a mean drunk, but like fair because of the way the elephants are yeah, treated no. uh, back then, treated. especially. Yeah, it's very understandable. Also, this happens a lot with Asian elephants. Like Asian elephants will like break into villages and like drink all their booze and then like go on a rampage. And like, mm -hmm. I love that for them. Like iconic. <laughs> yeah. Like head night. Like these, not these elephants having like a bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> 
Before being in Barnum Circus, Jumbo had lived for 17 years in the London Zoo and was known to be a gentle, happy animal nicknamed the children's gentle pet. Oh, it's really sad. Um, and I'm so sorry. I'll put some content warnings being of this about like animal cruelty and racism. Mandy, and you've always got uh, traumatic shit with elephants. I know, always with elephants. <laughs> I don't know why. This? I don't know why I do this to myself. Um, not I'm, not Mandy, <laughs> like constantly with her barrier elephants trope. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate pachyderms. Um, <laughs> On September 15th, 1885, Jumbo was out for a walk to get some exercise along some railroad tracks in uh, St. Thomas, Ontario. What? <laughs> just walking <laughs> along the railroad tracks. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, it just like <laughs> sounds like something bad's going to happen. Yeah, it, it, it builds. It's like Jumbo was out for her daily walk around the rim of a volcano. <laughs> It's like, okay, well, uh-oh. Oh, my God. Jumbo was out for her daily swing from a noose. <laughs> and not just, every like, Tuesday. suicidal elephant. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, not used to the footing, the giant tripped, fell, and impaled himself on his own tusks. <gasps> oh, baby. What? Luckily, oh Jumbo did die instantly, so he didn't suffer. Sorry, oh. but luckily I was like, oh, he was fine. And then you're like, did die instantly. No. And I'm like, oh. Sorry. I was hope- trying to give you a little bit of hope for him in the sense that like, oh, well, he didn't suffer. Um, now, this is where it gets. <laughs> this, is, this is the horrible part. The oh already God. dead animal was then also hit by a train. What? Poor baby. What the fuck? I'm God so sorry. I feel hated so... this fucking elephant. <laughs> I hate so the elephant right now. I'm so sorry. On it's his just... own, the elephant tusks. was hit by a train, and the train took him all the way into the nearest ta- pushed him all the way into the nearest <laughs> town, where somebody was trying to lift a grand piano into a second story apartment, and it fell on the jumbo's head. <laughs> and then at that exact same moment, the Wright brothers were testing out their airplane, and it crashed. <laughs> no. The whole thing explodes. Not the thousand deaths of Jumbo. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm just giggling so hard. I'm so sorry. I'm like crying. Um, R.I.P. Jumbo. Jumbo. <laughs> uh, oh, and then a bunch of orphans came and kicked sins. his corpse. <laughs> Oh my oh, God. It's Poor always Jumbo. the orphans. <laughs> Those nasty little orphans. Uh, they're the worst. Um, <laughs> Barnum, ever the showman, said Jumbo died while pushing a small elephant out of the way of an oncoming train. <laughs> which is not true. Okay, if I ever die, no matter how I die. <laughs> I want you, Do you to want tell us that to say story. that an elephant. Yes, we'll be like, be like Kaylin, Kaylin, Kaylin died pushing a baby elephant off the yeah. train tracks, and it was hit by a train. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's like I died of like bussy cancer or whatever. Like, like, is that true? Because I heard it was an aneurysm. <laughs> no, it was a train. No, that was that. It was the aneurysm express. <laughs> that was the name of the train oh, yeah, okay. It was the SS you aneurysm. Mix- <laughs> <laughs> you must have they mixed were- it up because of <laughs> Jumbo. Uh, Jumbo was twenty-five years old. The businessman quickly had a taxidermist repair the corpse and stuff his skin. The elephant, made to look uh, even taller at thirteen feet, toured with the circus until eighteen eighty-nine, and then I think later he was just bones. 
like we saw on the not poster. them doing <laughs> not them doing leg Larry lengthening surgery <laughs> yeah <laughs> on that dead elephant yeah oh my god they made him wear um, up- some high heels that's what they did just to Where did give them more extra elephant skin. Kinky elephant. They boots. threw another elephant in front of another train so they could just like add on <laughs> bottoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Add on legs. Not them just like letting the fucking elephant go for a walk along the train tracks. Like what? <laughs> what? And I'm so sorry. We're not done with the animal cruelty. We got more. Um, so Jumbo was not the only animal to be harmed under Barnum's watch. After uh, Barnum chartered a vessel to capture elephants from their homes and families in Sri Lanka, nine elephants, including one calf, were confined to a cramped compartment on a ship without any fresh air for four months. One reportedly died on board. Oh, my God. Why do people think this is going to work? Like, why do people think, like, (laughs) I'm just going to take these living creatures and stick them in a box and I'm sure they'll be fine for the next four months yeah they'll be fine like, just stick them in a box yep. i worry i worry These when i like, go out of creatures. town and have when i have somebody like come feed my cats once a day when i go out of town there's always a part of me that's like what if i come back and they're dead right <laughs> I, I know my fear. brain says the same thing and i have the auto feeder that has like two months worth of food yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what if they're dead what if it wasn't enough food <laughs> Barnum also introduced the bull hook, a heavy baton with a sharp steel hook on the end, which handlers used to keep elephants compliant and fearful. Uh, he oh. also jammed hot pokers up the elephant's trunks in a control technique oh called, god. quote, the burning method. Oh my god. I mean, yeah, accurate a f- name, but what the literal fuck? Right? It's oh, just and sticking ele- a hot poker up your nose. Mm hmm. It's what the so fuck? fucked up. He trapped nine beluga whales to display at his American Museum in New York between 1861 and 1865. The first two were kept in the basement in a tank of fresh water from the Hudson River <gasps> with heaps of salts added to mimic their saltwatering habitat. They lasted Not two him days. pouring Morton's salt in there. Oh my God, this yep. dumb motherfucker. This, this pasta water. Yep. Like... And two days, those poor animals, they were uh, horrible. Uh, A second pair died almost as quickly, despite salt water being pumped in from the New York Bay. When Barnum trapped a third pair, he even used their bleak life expectancy as a marketing ploy, announcing, quote, at his very doubt, (sighs) yeah, this is bad, as it is very doubtful whether these wonderful creatures can be kept alive more than a few days, the public will see the importance of seizing the first moment to see them. Then maybe you shouldn't put the beluga whales in a basement. Right? Don't put them in a little little fucking fish tank. Phineas, (laughs) what are you doing? (sighs) Phineas, you dumb fuck. Right? <laughs> Phineas. P- Phineas Again, if you Taylor. Want scam, if you want to scam, then you're going to be like, I'm going to sell this very expensive guided tour out to see where the beluga whales are. No, no refunds if there aren't any beluga whales. I think that's how they invented the, the whale, the, what is it called? Whale sightings, those like boats. Yeah. You just, we yeah. still do that today. We still it's, do that today. So Barnum did have a little bit of a political career. Uh, he was elected to the Connecticut legislator in 1865 as Republican representative for Fail- Fairfield and served four terms. During a failed run for Congress, he even, quote, confessed during a campaign speech that while living in the South, he had owned slaves himself, actions he since regretted. 
He said, uh, quote, I did more. I whipped my slaves. I ought to have been whipped a thousand times for myself. End quote. I'm listening. I'm learning. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not this notes app apology about how he should have been whipped. Right. Like, oh, like, it's me. Fuck off. Oh, my God. It's gross. I'm so sorry <laughs> for the hurt I caused to the African-American community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm listening. God. I'm learning. I'm setting my Instagram <laughs> photo to black. <laughs> <laughs> the black square. Oh, and it's also noticeable uh, notable that around this time, Barnum slowly began to change the narrative around his premiere into showmanship, the exploitation of an elderly disabled black slave woman, uh, really just like downplaying how important that was to starting his career. So he's at the same time, he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I was so terrible to black slaves that I owned. I'm so sorry. He also was being, trying to like really distance himself from Joyce and that whole stage of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, Barnum enjoyed what he publicly dubbed profitable philanthropy, um, which he has a quote here. Um, if by improving and beautifying our city, Bridgeport, Connecticut, and adding to the pleasure and prosperity of my neighbors, and I can do so at a profit, the incentive to do good works will be twice as strong as if it were otherwise, end quote. Okay, Mr. Beast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm just going to – I'm going to pay for all of these life-changing surgeries, but only if you'll sign this consent form saying that I can film it and monetize it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He had four mansions, one of which he called Iranistan, which is a mix of – What? Okay. Yeah. Which was a a mix of Byzantine, Moorish, and Turkish decorative elements inspired by the Royal Pavilion and – England, uh, Brighton, England. It burned down in 1857. Oh, yeah. Okay. The, uh, his, his mansion, not the the <laughs> one in England. Not the Brighton. The Brighton Pavilion is still there. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah that, that one's still there. His, his mansion burned down. Um, <laughs> again, a lot of fires. A little suspicious. Um, <laughs> in his 81st year, Barnum fell gravely ill. At his request, a New York newspaper published his obituary in advance so that he might enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, two weeks later, on April 7th, 1891, Barnum asked about the box office receipts for the day. A few hours later, he was dead. He is buried in Mountain Grove Cemetery, Bridgeport, Connecticut, a cemetery that he designed. Um, I have one last thing for Barnum. It's, again, another quote from that Benjamin Reese um, that wrote uh, the book about Barnum. Um And I just think it's a really good quote to end on. The story of his life that we choose to tell is in part the story that we choose to tell about American culture. We can choose to erase things or dance around touchy subjects and present a kind of feel-good story. Or we can use it as an opportunity to look at very complex and troubling histories that our culture has been grappling with for centuries. I hope hope when he got to hell, there was like a Mm -hmm. sign that was like, this way to heaven. And like, (laughs) he followed it. And he was just back at the entrance again. (laughs) For the rest of eternity. Yeah. And every single time he has to pay 25 cents. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Respect the Dead. You can follow Respect the Dead on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Respect the Dead. 
If you want to follow us individually, you can find our socials in the show notes. And you should check out our YouTube channels. We don't shit on dead people there as often, but still, we're making tons of cool stuff. If you enjoyed Respect the Dead and would like to support us, there's a couple of ways to do that. You can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. If you leave us a review, we can read it out on the podcast. Reviews are the best way for new listeners to discover the show. Give us at least five stars and then share us with a good friend who likes venting about dead people. You can also give us some money over on our Patreon. Patreon supporters get some cool bonus content like bloopers from the cutting room floor and even coming up with a fake sponsor ad that we'll read in an episode. It has to be a fake business though, not your MLM, honey. Thanks so much for listening. Join us every Monday for our next Worm Feast. I'm Kellen Conrad. I'm mainly Mandy. And I'm Hoots. Bye. Bye. Bye.